Welcome to Hope Vale, uh, Maundy Thursday. Um, if there are any seats in between you, go ahead and scooch in just a smidge. We have some people waiting at the door, so we want to make sure we all uh, get in. Uh, looks like there might be some seats over on that side as well, if you're looking. And uh, while you're finding your seat, just welcome, welcome uh, to this event. If you have not heard of Maundy Thursday before, it's uh, the way we celebrate at Hopevale, something in between Maundy Thursday and Good Friday. Um, many of you probably have heard of Good Friday, and that was the day where Christ was crucified. Um, so we will reflect on that. Um, and as I mentioned, this is split kind of between the two because Maundy Thursday was the day uh, where Jesus participated in the Last Supper. So we're also going to participate in communion today um, and reflect on all that God has done through Jesus um, and his life and death on the cross. Um, that's what we're going to uh, hear about, we're going to sing about tonight, and um, so I encourage you to reflect, to prepare yourself to participate in communion in a little bit, and uh, as we sing through some of these songs, just to listen to the words, listen to all that God has done. We'll do some readings in a few minutes where we read and hear and respond uh, to some scriptures that talk about all that God has done through Jesus. Um, so again, if there are any seats, go ahead and, and scooch in. We've got a couple of people still uh, looking for some seats. And as we do that, we're just going to begin just singing about Christ and about his sacrifice um, in a song called Nothing But the Blood.
on all that you have done, how you came into this world, how you lived, and tonight we reflect on how you died. We love you and thank you for your sacrifice, your sacrifice alone that could cover our sin. We thank you. Amen. It's great that you've uh, gathered with us on this uh, Monday, Thursday communion service evening. Um, We do have a few people in the back, I see, still looking for a seat. I know there's a few up. Can you just, if you've got a seat or a couple seats by you, can you raise your hand? We've got some over here if you want to go ahead and find those. And as you make your way, it's interesting because uh, the word mande actually comes from the Latin word mandatum or commandment. For it was in the upper room the night before Jesus' crucifixion when he looked at his disciples and said, A new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you. And so this really is a celebration and a remembrance not only of Jesus' sacrificial love for us, but also then the call that we too, as his followers, love one another. So Pastor Adam and I are going to read and lead through a uh, responsive 
reading of the scriptures, uh, we will alternate reading through extended portions of the Gospels leading up to the cross. And as we conclude each section, uh, we will invite you to read with us a portion of Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus Christ, the suffering Messiah who, is to, who was to come. So uh, let's go ahead and worship together, Adam. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Going at once to Jesus, Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Friend, do what you came for. But this has all taken place, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. But Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Yes, it is as you say, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? He is worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds we are healed. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is, as you say, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest from the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. (laughs) What is truth, Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. He was pierced for for our transgressions. transgressions. He He was was crushed crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds we are healed. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. 
When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but then instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him in the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds we are healed. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was pierced for our our transgressions. transgressions. He was was crushed crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds we are healed. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds, we are healed. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. He was was pierced pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds we are healed. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God.
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. By his wounds we are healed. See? 
Savior, I come quiet my soul. Remember, redemption's here. Your blood has spilled for my
Good evening. I'm glad we can gather together as the body of Christ on this special night. That song is a prayer. Lead me to the cross. Lord, lead me to the cross where your love poured out. Bring me to my knees. Lord, I lay me down. Rid me of myself. I belong to you. Lord, lead me once again to the cross. Lead us once again to the cross so that we can understand again what happened there and maybe most importantly, why. The cross, it's a crude stake, a place of blood-stained execution. We see crosses as we drive, don't we? I saw two such crosses as I was driving today, small crosses. Often they're in the median of I-75 or Highway 10 or maybe on a curve of River Road or a road close to you. You see a small cross. And often the cross has the name and maybe a date of someone who died in that very spot and is still remembered. These crosses mark the place that a tragedy happened. Often an unnecessary, senseless death. And I think in our pain and grief, we connect Jesus' cross to those situations. And I understand why we do, why people do. Maybe you placed a cross like that of someone that you've lost. We're right to do it. Because Jesus' death was a tragedy. Think about it. In the verses that Dan and Adam read earlier that we responded to, the Jewish leaders had arrested Jesus. They set up a nighttime trial, something that was illegal under their own law. They coached false witnesses to speak against him. And this nighttime sham trial wasn't going very well. It was really going nowhere until Jesus himself spoke up in response to the high priest and was charged with blasphemy, a crime worthy of death under Jewish law. Governor Pilate considered the charges against Jesus and declared him innocent. Pilate then sent Jesus to Herod, who was a ruler of the northern area of Galilee, and Herod examined Jesus and proclaimed him not guilty. Jesus went back to Pilate, and Pilate, under pressure from the Jewish leaders and the crowd shouting for his execution, charged Jesus with treason, a capital crime under Roman law. The Roman centurion and his small band of Roman soldiers who crucified Jesus recognized that Jesus was a righteous man. Surely this man was the Son of God. Even a thief who was crucified with Jesus said that he didn't deserve to die. The setup, the beatings by the Roman soldiers, the barbarity of crucifixion. Jesus' death was a tragedy. It was a tragedy. But his death was not unnecessary. 
the instrument of death, this blood-stained place of execution, the cross, where Jesus died, was necessary. It is the place that God brings us back to himself. There is no other place. The cross is necessary. Our offenses against the holy God who created us had to be paid for. God's perfect justice had to be satisfied. And the cross was the place. It was the place where the curse of sin that was upon all of us for our offenses against the God who created us were laid on God's own Son, His innocent, perfect, sinless Son. And they were paid for in Jesus' death on the cross for each of us. The cross was necessary. And Jesus' death, I think most importantly, was not senseless. It was not senseless. You know, like some of the crosses we see in the media and on a highway or on the side of the road, and we think, oh, what, what happened here? What, what was this? An unnecessary, senseless death. Jesus' death was not senseless. It had purpose. It wasn't, as some people suggest, opposition by Jewish leaders toward a peasant with an attitude, a, a, a rebel rabbi that just got out of control unforeseen events that transpired in a tragic way. That's not what happened. Jesus' death had purpose. God foresaw through the ages the cross standing on the hill of, Cal of Calvary and planned for his son to give his life for us there, to pay for our sins there. He planned to redeem us to buy us back, to forgive us, to restore our relationship with him, but to restore us as the people that he created us to be. God pictures this sacrifice. He prophesies and predicts this sacrifice throughout the Bible. And you saw that in our reading from the verses from Isaiah and how Isaiah follows the death, and the reason for the death of God's own Son, the suffering servant. John 3.16, a verse that we know so well, says, God so loved everyone on earth, the world, all of us, everyone on earth, that he what? That he gave his only Son for us. 1 John 4.14 says, the Father sent the Son. For what reason? For what purpose? To be the Savior of the world. And Jesus himself said, no one takes my life from me, but I lay it down under my own power. No one takes it from me. Through his cross, God extends forgiveness to us for all of our offenses against him. Through his cross, God changes our standing with him from someone who is outside of his family to a beloved child of God, from an enemy to a friend, from a rebellious runaway to his adopted child. Through his cross, God changes our eternal destiny from hell to heaven. 
The Apostle Paul writes that we are saved. It's a word that means rescued. We are rescued through his cross. And through Jesus' cross, God gives us life, real life, eternal life, here and now. Not just there and then when we get to heaven, but here and now through his cross, God makes us alive when we turn to his son Jesus and accept his cross payment for us. You see, Jesus' death for us is all about God facing and entering our mess. That's what this is about. You see, the cross is about dealing with reality. It's it's not about spirituality. It's not about wearing the cross or even on a night like this, just remembering the cross. But it's about what Jesus did to enter our world and to enter our lives, to enter the mess, the sins, the struggles, the struggles in relationships, the, the loneliness, the discouragement, the depression, the frustration, the anger that we can feel, experience in everyday life. The sins that come at us from outside of us, the sins that come out of us from inside of us, Jesus dealt with that head on on the cross. Again, the Apostle Paul, he writes this, I am crucified with Christ. I love that. He says, when I turn to Jesus, I identified with his death. I am crucified with Christ. And the life that I now live as a Christian, one who has trusted in Jesus for my forgiveness and salvation, the life I now live I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This means that God intends for the cross to apply to our lives now as followers of Jesus. You see, sometimes we can think about the cross as that place where we turn to Christ, where we accepted God's offer of forgiveness through Jesus' death for us. And that is true. That's the beginning point of our relationship with God. We do have to come to the cross. We do have to accept what Jesus has done for us, don't we? But our identification with the cross doesn't end there. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we're a, we're a people of the cross as Christians. We will always be a people of the cross. Every day of our lives, until we go to heaven, we will be a people of the cross. What did he mean by that? He meant that the cross applies to our everyday lives, that God intends to enter our mess, that God intends to redeem and buy back and heal and forgive and change and strengthen each of us in our everyday life based on Jesus' death for us. That's why I think we will always be a a people of the cross. And so it's appropriate tonight that we share in communion together. And as we do, as we share in the special time of communion, I want to encourage you to do three things uh, in your own way, 
between you and the Lord, three things. I want to encourage you to thank the Lord Jesus for dying for you and tell him that you love him. And secondly, I want you to think about something that you're wrestling with right now, something that's current in your life. Maybe it's something inside of you. Maybe it's something other people don't know. You're wrestling with it, whatever it is. Maybe it's something that's come at you from the outside. Circumstances, your health. Maybe it's a, a difficult relationship. Maybe, maybe something that has just been going on and going on and going on in your life, whether it's just a habitual sin you can't get victory over, and it just discourages you and frustrates you. Maybe it's a, a, a difficult relationship. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's with your children. Maybe, whatever that might be. And it's just weighing you down. I want to encourage you to bring that tonight to the cross as you share in communion and ask God to help you with it. To ask the Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, will you heal this too? Maybe it's a time of confession for you as God shows you what your part is in this difficult situation or the thing that you're wrestling with. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just receiving God's grace and kindness and mercy towards you and the realization that God is with you and that God intends to enter our mess every day, our struggles. And we can bring these things and lay them at the cross and say, Lord, this too, will you heal? Will you redeem? Will you forgive? Will you help me? And then thirdly, uh, worship him by sharing, partaking in this communion time. And for our special time of communion, you'd notice when you came in that we have tables set up all around the auditorium on the sides and then uh, four across the front. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, I'm going to invite you to, when you're ready, uh, to go to the table that's nearest to you Either if you're alone tonight, uh, go to the table. If you're with family or friends or a community group or whoever you might be with tonight, uh, feel free to go together to the table. And take both elements. Take the unleavened bread. Take the cup of juice. Take both elements and go back to your seat. And then unlike our Sunday communion times, uh, I won't lead us in partaking of the elements all together. Uh, just when you're ready, between you and the Lord, uh, take communion in your seat by yourself, okay? And then after, after our time of communion, our worship band is going to lead us in a, in a closing song. So let me pray. Father, I pray that you will lead us, each of us, to the cross of our Savior Jesus. Lord, and wherever we might be tonight, whatever we may need from you tonight, I pray that you'll lead us to the cross. Lord, heal us, strengthen us, encourage us, assure us of your forgiveness.
because of the merit and the sacrifice of your own son. Lord, thank you for this time. We love you because you have first so loved us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for this night. Thank you for your son. Help us to internalize this, to live, to wrestle with the reality of what you did for us. And God, we pray that you would use this time over the next few days to allow us to reflect on who you are, on all that you have done, on the price you paid as we look forward to Sunday. 
and the hope that we have through you. And we pray through Jesus. Amen. So we do look forward to seeing you on Sunday. We have four services to choose from, and hopefully, uh, as we prayed, you will take the next few days to reflect on all that God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. Thanks for being here this evening. Good night.